The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Not underestimate the power of PlayStation. Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dormish. I am your host for this episode 573 of IGN Beyond, our weekly PlayStation show. If you're joining us for the first time, thanks to the new year. Happy New Year and welcome. We talk about PlayStation for like 50% of the time. Uh, this week, I am joined by Lucy O'Brien. Hello. And Brian Altano. Beyond Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year to you guys as well. Uh, for reference, if you are a fan of the show, Mexicoville is off in Las Vegas land covering CES for us, and Andrew Goldfarb is writing his fan script for Persona 6. That's true. Both so of those things are very true. Very true. Hopefully we can have him on next week. Uh, this week we're actually going to be talking quite a bit about the PS5 of it all, the big question, I think one of the big questions hardware related with PlayStation going into 2019 and beyond, uh, what really they're going to be focusing on with PS5 is hardware. Do they need it? We just got some sales numbers about how they did over the holidays and they didn't do too badly. So do they need the PS5 too? Uh, we're going to take a look ahead into the month of January for big game releases this month, as well as do a bit of a trophy test at the end of the show. Uh, this, this week's trophy test is Spyro and Crash. Okay. okay. Enjoy that. It's not Kingdom Hearts. I played one of the, that series. The thing is, no matter what, I'm gonna screw it up. Yeah. Like, it could be a game I played a thousand times, and I, you're gonna catch me with because you're very good at. at That's at, my hope. And making me feel confident, and then being wrong about it. That's what I aim for in life. The thing is with trophies is that they. <laughs> I won't go on too much of a diatribe, but the thing is with trophies is that they're always so cliche. Yeah. And they're always like they're such like the, the puns are so bad mm-hmm. that I just see them recycled, so I forget which ones belong to which games. <laughs> I'm just like, Ugh. Yeah. and I love writing terrible puns to yeah. yep. them. So it's fun. Uh, but first off, I want to talk about as we had mentioned PS5 and what is going on with PlayStation going forward. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit, I think, about software next week and look into the big games still to come on PS4. But right now, uh, PlayStation announced some of their big sales numbers for the holiday, and I'm pulling up the specifics. They sold uh, 91.6 million units globally as of December 31st, 2018 of the PS4 and PS4 Pro combined. Uh, that represented about 5.6 million during the holiday season, which is about 0.3 million, so 300,000 or so down year over year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and interestingly enough, year over year, uh, 2017 was also down 300,000 units about in the same period from 2016. So similar downward trend, no huge drop off, but still doing very well. Uh, they also announced that Spider-Man has reached 9 million units sold. 
which was up for the about three three point three million they announced for the opening weekend. Uh, so it's huge. Right off the bat, I want to talk about just the idea of how the PS4 is doing right now. Do you think the PS4 is in a healthy place? We're seeing a lot of saw PSVR sales a lot. Right. For Black Friday. How do you think the state of the PS4 is right now? I think. I mean, I think it's great. I yeah. Think it's doing great. It's it's re- you know obviously it's down year on year, but it's a it's an old console, but it's an old console that's just still so relevant. And um, I don't know. It's like we had this conversation, I think, earlier about how with the PS3, you know, you really felt like that console was coming to the end of its life. Yes. And with the PS4, you know, I'm I'm playing games still now where I'm just like, how does it run so smoothly? How does it look well, so it's, good? It's surprising to even hear you say it's an old console. You're correct because mm. it is. But at no point during 2018 was I was like, oh, what an old console playing yeah. Spider-Man, God of War. And a big part of that is the the sort of stop gaps that we got this generation uh, for the first time ever really where there was this sort of evolutionary half step of the Xbox One X and the PS4 Pro. Uh, and I purchased both and I think those things have added a ton of longevity. In terms of the year over year sales, I'm actually surprised this one's down a little bit because um, – this was one of the best, or 2018 was one of the best years in PlayStation history, period. Uh, I also thought that the sort of vague fake price drop slash Spider-Man bundle would be one of the most, uh, best-selling things of the, of, of Black Friday. I believe the Switch sold a little more, mm-hmm. um, which was surprising. But I think that there is still one really big, strong holiday season left in the system's life cycle, and it's 2019. Definitely. And it's going to come with a, uh, Probably more significant price drop or an even more significant game bundle. I don't know how you get bigger than Spider-Man. Yeah. But and, and uh, looking at the trajectory from the last generation, the PS3 essentially had a seven-year life cycle. Yeah. So and so 2019 fin- wrapping up essentially 2013. If we think that's when it launched, if we think new consoles may come in 2020, that'll be about that same seven-year life cycle. So it feels like we're naturally getting there. But I think a lot of people were looking ahead to. We have these unknowns of possible PS4 games coming out like The Last of Us Part 2 and Ghost of Tsushima and Death Stranding. We don't know when they're going to come out. And Xbox has already started this conversation of the next generation. Like they've made that very clear from last E3 even. Last that, E3, they effectively post- announced three Xboxes at the exact same time. Right? <laughs> yeah. And one of them was this this codename one that we don't really, really even know anything about yet. So we know that they're making a – it's weird that they have to say this, but yeah. yes, they are making another another box. Yeah. The the second, I mean, as we move toward more of a cloud and streaming services platform and uh, industry, maybe we won't see that as often. But you can pretty much bet if a new console has been released, they're already working on the next mm-hmm. one in some capacity. Uh, but obviously, like feeling that the PS4 still has life in it, especially one more good holiday season. Do you both feel we even need a PS5 anytime soon? And when would you like to see that PS5? I think, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we did get an announcement this year, if mm-hmm. there was a PlayStation meeting mm-hmm. and, uh, it was revealed that there was a PlayStation 5 in the works. Um, but I don't think we need it this year. Uh, and it's, it blows my mind because I'm like, 2020 is next year. Um, right. <laughs> which is just crazy to me. Uh, I don't think we need it this year. I think that there's still a good year left in that console. Mm-hmm. And as Brian said, like, a good holiday season left in that console. Mm-hmm. And I think releasing a, a, another console ahead of that holiday season would be a mistake. Yes, I agree. Uh, I think even sort of announcing a new console, 
ahead of that holiday season would be dangerous. Although I do see that happening this year, which is different than what we saw in 2013, uh, where the PlayStation 4 was announced or revealed and then, um, launched within the same calendar year. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to change this year. I, and I don't know exactly how because Sony won't be at E3 and we don't know any plans for a PSX. We just got through a year without a PSX. So I don't really know when or how they will make an announcement, but they can. And I think that they will at some point. Um, it doesn't feel like we're heading into like swan song territory on this console though, uh, which is weird because 2013, like <laughs> sort of like spiritually feels a million years away. Yeah. That felt, it feels so long ago. You know, we're all very different people. Some of us were children, not me, but, um, this, we're in a different year now. It's it's 2019, and there are still so much left to come out. Um, there are games that don't even have release dates that we're excited for for PS4 that could become sort of console bridges, a lot, you know, like a Breath of the Wild type of thing or something yeah. like that. But um, it doesn't feel like it's going to happen. Like we're, I don't think for sure we will get a PS5 this year. I think we will get like a. Stay tuned. We're making it. I think with Sony, it's it's a pretty good guess what it'll be called. <laughs> yeah. So that makes it easy. They haven't really deviated yeah. from that. But so do you both think we'll get an announcement this year? Because I think – I the, yes. I, I thought the announcement and release within the same year really helped them uh, in terms of not making the hype last for too long because we've seen games at least be cannibalized by too long of a trail of hype. But with a console like this, do you feel they need to – in order to stay in the conversation, they need to – Yeah, I think so. This year? I would not be – like I wouldn't be surprised if The Last of Us Part Two was one of those bridging games and mm-hmm. was like a, a release – you know, a game on release. Yeah. Same with Death Stranding. Yeah. Really? I think so. Or do you even think that will come out <laughs> this generation? Like, I'm, I'm just of this opinion that Death Stranding is just – I don't know. I don't see it as a like – released like a, a a package game like i don't see it as like a system seller game like last of us part two mm-hmm. i see it as like a very sort of weird complex mind experiment <laughs> and i just like i just don't know i don't know if we can count on that on it for anything do you I, know what i mean if you if you follow kojima on twitter which you should if you like pictures of, of food and, and things and other movies you yeah and, and movies you would you would be hard pressed to imagine that he's a game developer or you would basically say, when do you develop games? Because he is constantly watching movies, eating, you know, elaborate meals and traveling all over the world and, and having meetings with people. And which, taking smoke breaks with Mads Mikkelsen. Exactly. Yeah. You know, we've all been there. Um, and so like I, I, I do sort of still wonder what this game is. I, I guess I'm with you where I would be surprised to see it. On the PS4, have they ever explicitly said this is a PlayStation 4 game? I believe when they initially announced Death Stranding, or at least the partnership with Kojima Productions, it was intended to be with their first title being a PlayStation 4 exclusive. Right. I think that's how that original press release was drafted. Yeah. Obviously, they didn't have an engine picked at the time. They didn't have a full cast, presumably. Like, all these things have fallen into place since. Mm-hmm. So it's possible it could change. So so do you guys think it's going to be like a weird like episodic mind experiment or an actual <laughs> tangible video game? It's just so hard to know because every single time we hear from anyone who's played it they're like that's not what I expected at all. I so it's like what we can't count on anything that we've no, already seen. Exactly. Well, and I think that's actually weirdly enough um going to be sort of the running theme going into this next generation mm-hmm. is that historically everything that we always thought was the way things worked will not be that way anymore. Um, consoles always launched in the fall and then the switch came out and it's it's selling incredibly well. And so maybe you can launch a PS five in March and it'll be fine. Um, 
consoles also didn't have mid console iterations like like phones do and now they do so that's i mean i think that's one of the most interesting things about what the playstation 5 might be uh, you know i think every single playstation so far has really felt like a giant leap like it's really it's really felt like a significant leap um and in this instance where technology has just become so iterative uh, I don't think it is going to be a giant leap. I think it's. I, I mean, I don't know what it looks like. I thought, like, will it even ha- will it have a disk drive? I don't know. Right, right. Well, um, I think I think it still has to because much of the world is still not in you know a, a internet savvy tech hub uh, like we're luckily enough to have in this <laughs> weird dystopia we live in. Um, <laughs> but I think that you don't really know how far our consoles come until you've gone back to the one before it. Mm. Like I, I think I take a lot of stuff on PS4 for granted and every now and then I have to boot up my PS3 for some odd reason for work and I'm like, oh God, we've come so far. Yeah. Um, but I, I tweeted out yesterday of sort of how like this is probably going to be the, the year where we get like reveals for new consoles, but I don't feel like we need one yet. And I was like, what do you think? And the, the response was overwhelmingly like, yeah, I'm good. And I think it's because a bunch of people just bought a PS4 Pro or, you know, they, they, they're still playing new games that just came out. And we just came off of Spider-Man and God of War and a bunch of other things and PSVR is doing well. And it doesn't feel like a rush to get there. And I think a lot of people are assuming that the next step is going to be this like 4K, 60 frames per second. Like everything is perfectly locked at all times. And I just don't know if that's technically feasible. I don't know nearly enough about the development, mm-hmm. but to guarantee and promise that across the board for every single game seems impossible to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't think we're there yet. And so I, I don't think the next generation will just be about graphics. It has to be about something more. It has to be about something more special. What do, what do you think that special thing might be? Ooh. Because like we, we were talking a little bit about this before the show. We always see with new generations like big UI changes and big service changes like PS Now and uh, PlayStation Plus was obviously on the last gen. But what it is now and what uh, PS Now is now yep. are so different from what they used to be. And obviously these sorts of services are being pushed a lot more as part of the ecosystem of PlayStation. So do you think that will grow in that capacity? Like what do you hope will be that jump if it's not necessarily a technical one? Yeah, I think we'll definitely see it as services mm-hmm. like – evolution yeah but again i don't know what that looks like um it, yeah it's, it's just interesting looking back at uh you know the last services evolution announcement which was the xbox one right <laughs> yeah which was when when basically they announced that console all they really like highlighted were services yes mm-hmm. um, services not necessarily uh targeted at gamers yeah which was the the weirdest part you were saying that, that you watched that from australia and you're like what I don't even I don't <laughs> even know what the NFL is. Well, yeah. we, exactly. I mean, that was such a strange reveal for us because we were like, we can't actually access like ninety percent of what they're offering here, mm-hmm. um, and like we didn't get PlayStation Now either. So, Interesting. Yeah, there's like you know there are there's a whole chunk of the world that doesn't have these uh, these services. Um, so yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what what those are. But I do think that that will be the focus because I just don't really see massive leaps in technology yeah. being the reality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the services thing is interesting because if you focus on the wrong ones, you you risk the 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 sort of 
the momentum that you've had. And mm. that's, I think, wh- why Xbox stumbled out the gate. And ironically, they landed on, years later, Xbox Game Pass, which I think is one of the best services to ever come out of our industry. And I would love for Sony to steal something like it because having, you know, AAA first-party games day and date on a on a service you pay for every month instead of having to pay 60 bucks for is huge. I mean, getting to play stuff like Crackdown and Forza the day they launch make me go, oh, I don't know if I want to spend 60 bucks on it to, oh, I'm definitely playing this. It's a no-brainer. So I'd love to see something like that. I think um, the controller needs an evolution. Uh, I don't know what that is. I know that there is a bunch of stuff on the controller now, like the touchpad, that we thought might have been a thing and they didn't really go anywhere with. We could go back to the PS3 boomerang. That was yeah. the initial reveal with those really weird long handles. Oh, yeah. And then they got rid of it. Those crampy handles. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Um, one of the things I've seen requested a ton uh, is backwards compatibility. And I think that that's sort of like a pipe dream. Mm-hmm. And I think it's this thing that like – People really want, but then maybe not necessarily use as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at the console war right now, I mean, Xbox is the one that really got that right, but I don't mm-hmm. think that necessarily helped them. They haven't become the market leader or anything. Sony has, and they've that, ignored that entirely. They Whereas, do have PS Now, which exactly. is optional. It is which essentially is optional. like optional limited backwards compatibility. Yeah, which is sort of this backwards way to be like, oh, you're paying for those old games again. Yeah. Um, but some of the best-selling games this generation have been ports of last generation games. So if you look at stuff like GTA, The Last of Us, Mario Kart 8, um, New Super Mario Brothers is launching in like three days, and I'm sure it's going to sell amazingly well because a bunch of people who didn't play it last time will play it now. Um and so Devil's advocated me is like, well, why would they give us backwards compatibility when we keep buying these ports yeah. and cooking the books? So uh, I don't think we're going to see that on PlayStation. Well, I'd love to be proven wrong. And backwards compatibility on Xbox was very much came from a place when Xbox was number two to Sony and they yeah. needed mm-hmm. something to earn them a lot of goodwill. And don't get me wrong, it did and it was a very smart move. But I, it wasn't the thing they were like, this is going to sell billions of dollars for yeah. us. No, it was for the that. fans yeah. that are, were already on the platform. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of, you were talking a little bit about Game Pass. Do you think that might be with PlayStation Plus uh, getting rid of PS3 games and Vita games? Do you think we may see something like Game Pass adapted into PS Plus? Like, Do you think they're going to just leave PS Plus as is? I would love that because um, I've, I've read sort of statistics about how – people are actually buying a lot more games because of Game Pass than they thought. I think developers were probably a little wary at first to sort of sign up for a service like that and just give away their games. Mm -hmm. But I think what's happening is people are playing them and there's that little like own it button underneath, you know, download it and people are buying them, which is weird because you don't need to to play them. But I think there's still that ownership that people look for in video games, um, whether or not that's actually real with digital games. But I would love to see them sort of adapt something like that. Uh, I don't know what that looks like exactly. What I like about um, PS Plus right now is that it gets me to try out games that I forgot about. Mm-hmm. Um, and Game Pass does that to an extent too. But PS Plus doesn't really rely on brand new AAA games as much aside from if you look at something like Rocket League launched through PS Plus, which you know obviously sent it to where it is, uh, which is you know very big heights. Uh, I hope that's something they can work out. Because I think getting rid of the Vita stuff, getting rid of the PS3 stuff, um, it leaves a gap there in terms of what we're actually getting for our value. And so that's that would be a great way to do that. Yeah, I'm curious to see what they do with that, especially we always do these fun but interesting sort of things at the end of the year where it's like how much money did you actually save with PS Plus versus right. Xbox Live? And that number could drastically go down if PS Plus loses four games a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back a little bit to uh, – 
talking about in general if we think they're going to make an announcement this year. Like, how does Sony stay in the conversation if they are skipping E3 if, as of right now, there's no PSX announced? Do you think they will do something like that February event from the PS4 launch? Do you think they will announce, like, a mid-year PSX? How do you think they'll try to stay in that conversation? Well, I mean, I don't think they need to do much. That's the thing. Uh what did they do last time? They invited a whole bunch of people to New York. Yeah, for yeah. the PS4 was a New York event. Um, and it was just, didn't they call it like a, a PlayStation meeting? Like it yeah, was like, vague. you know, just let's talk about the future of PlayStation. And there wasn't much. Like there was a sizzle reel of, of games that were going to be on the, on the system. Knack. Yeah. Did we see, did we see the controller? We saw the controller there, yeah, but, but not, not, not the, the box system. Yeah. But that's what I mean. It's not, that's not, that's not a huge reveal. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like it's yeah. just, it's just, here we are. We're doing this. We're still in the conversation. Pay attention. That's it. They mm-hmm. don't have to make a big, they don't need to do a PSX. They don't need to make a big song and dance at E3, which they're obviously not. Um, I just, I, I think that that's all they need to do. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a big question. And I don't think I would, I would, I would actually be sort of okay with getting just a controller reveal this year and like mm-hmm. a, it's coming, but, um, with neck three. Yeah. <laughs> the, the idea of them just being quiet all summer while E3 is happening and there's all these events and conventions and Gamescom and, and, you know, and Comic Con and PAX and they're just like, we're doing well. We're fine. We're rich. We don't need to talk. <laughs> it feels crazy to me. Yeah. Like it feels like they're at some point they have to say something. And I don't know what that looks like or what that is, but I really hope there's, a Nintendo direct style video or like a, you know, a short reel or something they put out, even like a tweet that says like, Hey, we look forward to talking to you October 1st. Yeah. Do, we, do have you, some, we have something to tell you. Would you want them to adapt sort of a direct style? Because yes. obviously Xbox has been doing inside Xbox. Now the directs obviously kill every time they do them. Yep. PlayStation has been utilizing the PlayStation blog a little bit more as well as their PlayStation blogcast, but that's still a theoretically somewhat of an editorial arm. The only benefit of doing a live press conference is the possibility that something will break and that everyone gets to make fun of you. I mean, other than that, you get to really just laser focus that message. I'm still surprised that, you know, how many years has it been that since Nintendo started doing Nintendo directs? Um, and they've been, it's been such a successful venture for them, yet we're still having these big, like, showcases from Sony and Microsoft. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they're always so awkward and everything always goes wrong. And it's just like, just do it like Nintendo does it. Yeah. And I know it takes away the theatri- like theat- theatricality of it, which, That's is the thing. Just, which is sad. They want that crowd response, they right? They do. Like, they yeah. want that one more thing, but I don't know, get a laugh track. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it just feels weird. Like, I, I, you've, you guys have been to them before, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like live press conferences. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a cool room to be in, but it's also, there's something that feels sort of awkward about the whole thing because things break. And like, you know, like there was a, that Uncharted demo that just stopped working. Oh the yeah. Show, they had is, to redo it. Yeah. Oh, which is just, oh, and you just, oh, right? you die, you, you die when you're in the room, yeah. you can just feel mm-hmm. like everyone slinks down in their seats because no one wants to see people fail. Yeah. Well, and it's that weird thing of like, obviously part of the crowd is press. Part of the crowd is fans who got in. Yeah. The crowd are people who work at PlayStation. And so there's all this weird mix of it in the room. It's like, I, for me personally, one of the weirdest moments was being able to be in the PlayStation conference where they announced Kingdom Hearts 3 was real and coming back. Like, that was amazing. But for every moment like that, it was also like, oh, here are three moments where, like, eight people are coming out on stage to show games, and it's cool in the room, but I can only see one game at a time. So, like, yep. being there didn't necessarily benefit me. But also, in- interestingly, yeah. their press conference last year at E3 was pretty much a real 
it's confusing. Confusing affair, both from watching it on on, on online mm-hmm. to the people actually in the room. Yeah. It didn't really work for anyone. It was clear that they're trying to move away from that that stiff shouldered um, showcase model. Yeah. But that didn't really work either. So yeah, I, I would not be surprised if they moved to to the direct model for sure. Yeah, especially looking at obviously there are those temple games that they did fashion that E3 conference around with Ghost of Tsushima, Death Stranding, and Last of Us that haven't come out yet. Mm-hmm. But when you look at things like Days Gone and Concrete Genie and Everybody's Golf VR or any other VR games that are coming out, it's like obviously they wouldn't hold an E3 conference to be like, and here's another Days Gone and Concrete Genie and that's it. Yeah. Right. You have to, but something like a Direct or something where it's like here's this monthly update that we're going to do on a single spotlight game that gives those games a spotlight they may not necessarily have otherwise. Yeah, and I, I love that format too. I love the the smaller, sort sort of more intimate directs that just focus on indies or nindies or whatever. Um, and I love the bigger ones that are just like a bunch of different things and end with some, some big reveal. Um, I think Sony can totally do that. And they have this awesome library of small to big titles that they can sort of push all together. And some of those don't play well to a live huge audience when five seconds earlier, like there were literal fireworks in the room <laughs> and then they're like, Oh, like, you know, here's our, here's our book, you know, <laughs> here's our magic here's, book of wonder. Here's our magic wonder book. It just doesn't play. And but now think, the chain smokers. <laughs> exactly. And or here's an influencer and the teleprompter broke. Like yeah. it just gets difficult. And I think honing that into like a 20 minute, 30 minute, 40 minute, uh, very highly produced piece, making it look slick with graphics and everything. I mean, Kind of funny just did it, right? Yeah, and they're like, doing it again for you. They're doing it again. It works, right? It works and it looks good. I think it's the best way to present a great curated list of games. So yeah. let's see it. I'm excited to see what they do in the future for their messaging, especially because going in right now to 2019, it looks like a quiet year for PlayStation. But as the market leader, as knowing this new generation is coming up, I can't imagine they will stay silent all year. Right. Uh, before we move on, if you had to put money on, let's put a bet right now. Give me a month for the reveal, reveal announcement of PS5 and for the launch of PS5. Because we did talk a little bit about spring as a possibility. Yeah. So So I'm going to say um, October 4th. Okay. I don't know if oh, like you give a, me – I just meant month, but I'll take a date. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, early October for some sort of teaser reveal thing. Mm-hmm. Just sort of like we're making it. And then uh, March for the launch of the PlayStation 5. Okay. I know that's crazy. I think they're going to do a spring launch. I do. I do. To get ahead of Xbox or just to- <sighs> The thing is, I think so much predicates on what Microsoft says at E3. Mm-hmm. And Sony's really good and they did this a couple years ago. Microsoft had their big press conference and then, you know, Sony was also like, oh, by the way, here's how game trading works with us. Yeah. And it was this big clapback moment. And I think if Microsoft comes out and they go, this is what we're doing. And then Sony gets to like sort of write down some ideas, copy mm-hmm. some homework, September tweak some things. To, yeah. yeah. They get a couple months to sort of like, Make it their own. Um, it'll be really huge. Lucy, I'm going to say you? September, April. Okay. I know that's like not that different, but I just want it to be a little bit different. No, it's okay. That's how they play prices right, right? Mm-hmm. They go like a dollar over or under. I think it will be uh, – if they do an announcement this year, which I actually don't think they will do beyond maybe saying the PS – like our next system is coming next year. Stay yeah. tuned. But if they, something like that, I think I will go September and then launch next November. I do think they're going to stick to fall. Okay. Possibly, just because it's easy to capitalize on all of that. Mm-hmm. But that's a long year. Though. It is. It is a long year. But especially when you still have things like I don't think Death Stranding, Last of Us, and Ghost will come out before. 
yeah. September this year. So I, they will still have plenty to keep them in discussion on big moments. Like Especially that. if they're really fully back in the game. Yeah. Like in 2020, if yes. they're like, you know, all guns blazing at E3. Yeah. I'll, I'll add too that I think you're right, Jonathan. Like I think, yes, no, I really do. That's all I've wanted. I, I think that like your prediction is the one that's going to be true. I think anything else would be kind of stupid. But interesting. But interesting. I like interesting. Yes, yeah, exactly. Topic. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, like I don't think we're in any rush to get these things. But no, I don't think so. They're inevitable. Yes. Yeah. The future of the PS5 is coming eventually. Uh, we'll obviously have a lot more to talk about as that future happens. But looking ahead at the closer future of the rest of January. I thought we could take a look at some of the releases coming out. Um, I know some of you have wanted me to talk about Kingdom Hearts for more than a minute. Some of you have not wanted me to talk about Kingdom Hearts whatsoever. We'll get to that in a second. But Kingdom Hearts coming out January 29th. Uh, Resident Evil 2 comes out January 25th. Mm-hmm. And Lucy, I know you are very much looking forward to this. I am, yes. I uh, like Resident Evil 2 was my first Resident Evil game. And therefore, it was the most seminal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I, I, like, I played... I haven't played the ultra long demo that I know a lot of you guys have played here, um, but I played the 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 basically the thirty minutes one shot demo that everyone will be able to play come Friday. I've mm-hmm. played that already, um, except I don't know whether that was the same demo, right? <laughs> um, but it was a t- it was a time demo basically, and you know one one thing that I've said over and over again about about what I've seen so far of this game is that it really does feel like a remake done right. Uh, it's It remixes rather than, like, doggedly re- replaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it feels very true to the original experience. Like, you feel like you're playing Resident Evil 2, but it's a 2019 game. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it feels very much like a 2019 game. It's, which it's it's so slick. Which I think is a little different than Resident Evil Remake, which I adored when it launched uh, back in the day on GameCube, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually had a lot of the same tendencies as you're describing in the Resident Evil 2 Remake, where it adds new stuff, it remakes the stuff, it adds the entire Lisa Trevor uh, subplot, which is, do you guys know about that? No. Uh, Resident Evil 2 is a total blind spot for me. This is like the original Resident Evil. Oh, the original. Yeah. I, yeah I, Effectively, there's this like experimented girl that lives in the basement and she's covered in tentacles and you have to kill her. Oh. And it's like really tragic. Um, and it's super dark. It adds very little to the overall story, but it's just cool that it's there. Yeah. Um, but ultimately that game did ha- still kind of have tank controls and it played the way it plays. This is a totally different story. This looks like it plays more like Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil 5. It does. It's a lot does. more action-oriented. Mm-hmm. So you you touched on that real quick, but January 11th, the demo launches. The one-shot. Yeah, demo. the one-shot yeah. demo, and you have 30 minutes to play it, and then it, what, disintegrates? I don't, I'm a little confused about it. I don't know if it, like, essentially you have 30 minutes to complete it, and once that 30 minutes is over, you don't get to play it again. Yeah. Or, like, it's a Mission Impossible yeah, style. Yeah, it's a Mission Impossible style. Or like, you have to make a bunch smoke. of accounts on your PS4 and, like, download. Yeah. I'll let yeah. you know people are going to, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm really excited for people to get their hands on it. I'm also just really excited to play the full game because, uh, you know, chatting, I chatted to some of the developers at, uh, at the E3 or Gamescom. They blur together. Um, about it last year and I said, you know, what about like everyone's favorite, like weird moments in that game? Are they all going to come back? I was like, what about the alligator? You know, and they were like, the alligator is in there. <laughs> it's going to look a little different, mm-hmm. but it's in there. And so I'm just so looking forward to seeing how they've taken these kind of iconic Resident Evil 2 moments and added their own twist on it. 
Uh, yeah, I, I can't wait. It's like I've been waiting for this game for so long. Since like, I, I, this has been this is my most anticipated game of the year, and it's coming out so soon. Yeah. After uh, after remake came out, I went and replayed all of them, and then four came out and became probably my favorite video game of all time. Yeah, uh, me too. It's up there. Yeah. It's, it's definitely in my top two or three. It's no um, six, but it's no. It's okay. <laughs> God. Um, Bloodborne's your favorite game. Bloodborne. We've got like yeah, very we're ve- we're very very yeah. close. Mm. Um, hey, Kingdom Hearts guys, it's also coming. Yeah. Oh, God, now number three is <laughs> Kingdom Heart. Yep. I love. It. I today I found out there was more than one keyblade, so <laughs> definitely my series. Um, but Resident Evil Two is one that I've played like once or twice straight through a long ass time ago. Mm. So uh, and people called this out on it a couple weeks ago. We talked about Resident Evil Two and we we realized how foggy our memories were on actually playing it. But I'm really excited uh, to play this one again with this fresh coat of paint, um, and especially because it plays like four, which is my favorite one. Um, I really love that sort of third person action puzzle over the shoulder uh, direction that this franchise took. I know that like at some point the Resident Evil fan base split in half and some people were like, I want the top down puzzly tank control survival horror stuff. And other people were like, I want the action stuff. Well, it was, it was after Resident Evil four, right? Yeah. That's when the fan base. That's when, went. that's what did it. And then, and then five and six shattered the fan base even more. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, that's too much action. Rain it in. Uh, <laughs> And, and so then seven is like seven's just it's a totally kind of a mixture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Seven brought everything. seven made everybody happy again in different ways, which yeah. is really cool. It's such an interesting franchise, and I love it so much. Um, but yeah, I'm completely ecstatic for this game. It's it's definitely my most anticipated game of the next few months. Not about the year, we'll see. Seven's the first one I played since four. It's it's not really a series that I've had any huge love for, but like four I think is amazing, and seven I loved up to that final act. Uh, do you, as both fans of the franchise in general, do you think Resident Evil Two will still be a good, pretty good entry point right now? Because I do think a lot of people came back to it or started fresh with seven. Do you think, think this will be, be a jarring experience for them? Well, as or- someone who the original, where the original uh, Resident Evil 2 was my entry point into the series. Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, back when it was tank controls and yeah. like, <laughs> I'm walking backwards and walking forwards and like, whoa. <laughs> you know, and I, I still, I loved the hell out of it. Um, it's a great entry point. It's, it's kind of like got all of the best elements of Resident Evil. It's weird. It's unexpected. It's gross. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's um it's going to be a very good entry for anyone who is new to the series or who wants to get further into the series after they played 7. Well, I think that every one of these games is unabashedly confusing no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Like even if 7 was your first – I played every Resident Evil game and I played 7 and I was like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> like by the end of that game, which I will not spoil, but the end of that game is complete and utter nonsense. Oh, it is. Yeah. Like the final conflict in that game, you're like, what? just happened and then the credits roll and you're like all right i did it um and so i think that's a, i mean four is the same way where like leon's just there he's in south america and he's like on the phone with the president and the president's like my daughter's gone and then like these two cops die and then a bunch of people with chainsaws try to kill it makes no sense but it's so much fun and that's all that matters so i think like just going into this blind don't worry about the like the deep history of baggage that these characters have some of them have like returned from the dead uh wesker like wasn't he like he fell in the lava at one point? Like they've all been, they're all like, whiskey is going through a number of married clones of themselves. None of it makes sense. And you can't get into kingdom hearts. I know. I do do think fundamentally though, um, Resident Evil 2 is a great entry point. And insofar as it's got that sort of Shinji Mikami, like, uh, evil within, Mm -hmm. um, style setup, which is basically like dude who doesn't know what's going on, walks into a zombie infested mansion, 
police station. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's place, it's just <laughs> location, yeah. and 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 has to figure out what the what the story is through a series of puzzles and mm-hmm. and 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 monsters, and you know, it's 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 a fairly straightforward horror setup. Um, yeah. You don't. It doesn't require a lot of knowledge going in. Totally. Yeah. Evil, Evil Within was utter nonsense as well, and I love. Yeah. Evil Within was oh, yeah. such nonsense. It's not. I. I couldn't. I could. I played that game to completion. I think I might have even hundred percent. I could not tell you. I have no idea what happened. Yeah. I have no <laughs> idea. The entire second and half of that game, I don't know if it was in some guy's mind or in a room with. Paul, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I, I, I reviewed that yeah. game for IGN. Yeah. And I was like. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I loved it. Yep. But. Also was confused yeah. by it. Yeah. yeah. It's very confused. Uh, yeah. I'm very excited that that game is coming out, like you said, in January. It's because mm-hmm. they were getting such a big, such an anticipated game. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, on that anticipated game front, Kingdom Hearts 3 is coming out January 29th everywhere but Japan. I believe Japan is the 25th as well. Um, we – obviously, I will take the mantle here for the minute. Uh, a lot of people have asked me and just uh, us at IGN in general, do we think this is a good starting point? for someone to want to jump into Kingdom Hearts similar to Resident Evil 2. Um, what's really interesting is whenever we talk to Square, at least a couple times now and then, they do want a lot of people to think of it in terms of like, it's a pretty basic story of good versus evil. Okay. If you ignore sort of all the minutia that's been built up. But essentially, the Disney guys are probably good guys. The guys in the black robes that you see in the trailers are the bad guys. You can figure out what's going on from there. Uh, yeah. So... I would, I'm fascinated to see how this plays actually for, I know a lot of people have asked because it's on Xbox for the first time, like, hey, I'm jumping into Kingdom Hearts. I don't have a PlayStation system, so I've never played any of the old ones. Right. Can I do this? I'm honestly very curious to see how people react to this because uh, from what we've seen, every world is so different and there are like 30 different gameplay styles in this. Like the Pirates of the Caribbean is like an open, almost like Assassin's Creed looking thing. The Frozen world has like downhill sledding. It's probably the closest you'll get to like an eSport in Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> uh, the Toy Story world, which we've gotten to play a bunch, has you essentially get to jump into these mech suits and it's like first person and mech combat that you get to play in like every world has these different gameplay variants which are brand are brand new to the series are you worried about that yes and no i'm like the expectations of this game wanting to wrap up 15 years of storytelling that has uh jumped into like 10 different games across 10 different systems yeah and trying to wrap all of that into one while also introducing so much like almost every world in this game is brand new um hercules is returning winnie the pooh is returning but like other than that oh thank goodness winnie the pooh is winnie the pooh winnie the pooh stuck in that tree for like 15 games he's a nice little break from like all the crazy action (laughs) as they do you just collect plants it's nice and serene (laughs) do you go to the hundred acre wood you do yeah really in uh it starts out as essentially the hundred acre wood it's a winnie the pooh storybook that you get transported into uh and then you explore the stories of so like hundred acre wood as someone who very clearly you know you're excited for these games but you do not work for for square pr sure do do you think someone could walk into this game for the first time and be like here i am kingdom hearts i think you will get a general gist of it. I think when all of these characters, like we have a trailer playing on the video version of the show, if you see all of these characters, other than the Disney characters and Sora, because I've told you who Sora the protagonist is, you would not know why any of these characters matter. Right. But some of them are first introduced in the GBA spinoff between Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. Others come in in 2. Others are from the PSP spinoff. The PSP spinoff, Birth by Sleep, is weirdly the most lore-heavy. Right. It's like the first time they actually introduce in physical form as like the main antagonist, the main villain of the series. 
uh, different forms of him have appeared beforehand. But see, I start talking about different forms of the main villain who isn't really fully seen until the you're second scene. You're allowed to. You're the oh, expert sure. on this We're not game. timing you this Oh, I know. I, I just mean like I do think it is fascinating the idea that there will be people jumping into this who are like, I like the Disney characters. They're like, this, this franchise is beloved. My friends haven't shut up about it for 10 years. I hope I'll enjoy this. Like, Or, or people like me who played the first two and – that's it. That's some of the most interesting reactions that I want to hear from, and I'm personally excited for people like you who have played two or three of the games to jump in and be mm-hmm. like, because a lot of people are like a lot of people in the Facebook Beyond group have talked about. Yeah, I've been marathoning them all since like November to remember the whole story, and they'll probably be pretty good on it. But like for someone like you who played them and has a, somewhat of a knowledge of this, if I start talking about why Zigbar is important, are you going to know what I'm saying? <laughs> probably not. No, <laughs> yeah, um, Zigbar. Zigbar. Uh, Brig in his human form. Zigbar is his nobody. Of course. Yeah. Um, so like that is that weird thing. And also the idea that, I don't know, we talked to Nomura at E3 and he kind of talked about like the, uh, wanting to satisfy fan results versus wanting to satisfy his own creative intentions. And like, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people are unhappy with the way the story goes or it's not what they expected because there has been such a gap in between these games and we think of these characters as having been with us for 15 years but Sora is only a couple years older than he was in the first game right it's so there's a lot of weird continuity in making sure characters have met each other and making sure like what are those interactions going to be where like Donald hasn't met a character who maybe has been part of the series for 10 years because they've been so separate so weird it is so weird Um, it's going to be really crazy to see I'm excited for how big the game clearly is like knowing each world is so different and knowing that there's a they're really focused on these worlds being big to explore and a lot of the side spinoff games lost that exploration because they were on the psp or the ds so they naturally couldn't have as big or varied worlds Mm -hmm. and here they're clearly uh hiding a lot more chests for you to explore and get equipment from uh there are hidden mickeys throughout each world that you can find in the world and take photos with to unlock stuff and things like that you can collect food in all of the worlds and bring it back to remy from ratatouille in one of the towns and it's like a cooking mini game basically where you bring him food for recipes and he'll give you items Dude, there are like flashes of this game that make me go oh my god i want that yeah and then there's so much baggage around it that i'm like i'm scared but there is you know there is a sort of undeniable appeal about the Kingdom Hearts series for those of us who are just kind of in it for the reason that we love Disney movies and we grew up with Disney movies and and, and that's why I played the first two. And, you know, I grew up with Final Fantasy as well. Yes. Um, I'll be playing this. Yeah. I will for sure be playing I'm this. excited to talk to you about it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Like, you're going to have to fill me in on some Happily. stuff. But. Yeah. Are uh, you guys going to do like a spoiler cast? I, I think enough people are in the office are playing it that we absolutely should. You should. Yeah, I definitely would be down to do that. So this is on the books and on record. So we officially are doing there a we spoiler go. cast. All um, right. But yeah, obviously that is big and huge and I cannot wait for that game actually coming out. And you've stayed away from everything that's been out there. Already. Yeah. So unfortunately, if you haven't heard, uh, we talked a little bit about this before the break, but essentially – it seems like full retail boxed copies of the game were leaked. Uh, Tetsuya Nomura, the franchise director of the whole game, addressed that and said, like, hey, please do your best to avoid these spoilers. Obviously, it's been something we've been working on for so long. Interestingly, the copies of the game that they have don't have, I believe, the epilogue and the secret ending to the game, which uh, he implied, I think, in his message that they're some of the most important story stuff or, like, the biggest Weird. surprises. I assume those are coming in as, like, day one patches just to prevent that from getting out there. Uh, so I'm curious to see. Obviously, that means to me there's some intention for where the series goes after three. This may mm. be the culmination of everything before it, but stuff will come um, after it. But yeah, I, I've been trying to stay away from it. No reason. Three weeks away. I've waited 
10 years since yeah. Yeah. I can wait yeah. a little longer. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it should be very exciting. Uh, also, just to mention a couple other things coming out this month, Walking Dead Episode 3, uh, the final season of Telltale's The Walking Dead, no longer made exactly by Telltale. Uh, Skybound Games, Skybound, the people who publish uh, The Walking Dead and kind of have that control with uh, Robert Kirkman. They are releasing the third episode of the final season. It is made by, we know, some members of the original team, but at the same time, we also know that not all of the original team is involved with this game or this episode, we should say, and we don't know if episode four, the final episode, will actually be completed mm-hmm. necessarily. But this just this is a fascinating release, and I just wanted to hear what you both thought about it. Well, I'm in two minds about it, and and you know, I haven't actually, full disclosure, I haven't kept up with the Walking Dead games. I've played a whole bunch of other Telltale yeah. like titles, but I kind of dropped off Walking Dead after um, se- season two. I did the same, yeah. And I don't know why because I enjoyed season two. Yeah. I think it was just like too long between two and three and then they muddied the waters with the sort of like the half measure stuff like Michonne and like the other even... 400 days in between. Yeah, 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 yeah. That stuff I think just got too confusing for me or I just, I bailed. It might have actually, the trajectory mapped my connection with the TV show, which I also build on. Same. Yep. I got kind of fatigued by all of it at once. Yeah. And that sucks because I think like the game kept doing some really cool stuff from what I hear. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and again, what I'm about to say is with, you know, full disclosure, um, I'm glad that fans can have closure mm-hmm. over Clementine's story. Yes. I think I'm really glad for the fans. I'm really, really sad for the Telltale employees who were let go under such horrible circumstances. And I feel that I kind of feel like a little bit angry that it was picked up. Yeah. I kind of just wanted, I wanted it to be um, almost like a lesson. Like this is, this is how you don't run a company. Right. Do you know what I mean? And this is what happens. And instead, like, this other company just came in and picked up the reins and, and, you know, a whole bunch of people are still left without jobs. And I just think that's really sad. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I'm very torn because, like, I want, I want fans to get what they want, but I also, like, I, I, I still, my heart is still. So broken for I'm, that company. I'm really glad you're able to see it from both perspectives because I think that's really important because it, it, you can't really look at it at one way or another. Even if like you don't care about the business at all, um, you have to at least give a second to sort of think about how these things do get made mm-hmm. and they are made by real people and they all are made by companies that run these people. Um, and the way everyone at Telltale found out about this and the way this season sort of died in their hands – uh, and then was picked up is not great. Um, that said, you're correct. It's awesome that we get to find out what happens to Clementine. And uh, it's kind of cool that some people who worked on it are working on it again or that a company came in and saved it. Um, it's always weird with stuff like this because there are works of art that get finished by other artists. And there's movies like, you know, not a great example, but AI <laughs> from <laughs> Kubrick and Steven Spielberg who, you know, Kubrick passed away and Spielberg was like, I'm going to finish his movie. And then it added like six more endings or whatever it was. And the movie is just not – it doesn't it doesn't go well towards the end. Um and I think time will tell when this game is over whether or not this was even a great plan to pick up what was left and finish it, bring it to the finish line. Uh, I think there's no way to make everyone happy, 
there was no way to make everyone happy, even if Telltale had kept making it and mm-hmm. they never went into business because video game endings rarely satisfy everyone, you know, especially something like this that's episodic and had this choose your own adventure element to it. You're so tied to your Clementine. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So there's no way if they kill her, it's like, oh, how dare you? If, if she lives, it's like, but then what? Yeah. You know, so uh, there's no great way for this to end for anyone. Yeah. It's a weird byproduct of the industry as it exists now. And Lucy, yeah, you pretty much settled on the head initially of I am happy that fans will get to see the end of Clementine's story at the same time or if they do finish the fourth episode as well. At the same token, uh, we talked about it a bit when this happened at first. And Brian, you had mentioned the point. Chances are Clementine's story will eventually have been wrapped no matter what because revivals and reboots and yeah. refreshes happen all the time now. And that's just how entertainment works. And so yeah. if you give a shit about something, you'll probably hear how it wraps up, whether or not you like that ending. And so it is interesting to see it being handled in this way, especially knowing the human side of it. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it'd be, again, I haven't played the previous season, um, but it'd be interesting to see if it's lost something, if it's lost anything through this transition. And I'm sure it has. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd be interested to see like what longtime fans think. Yeah. Yeah. I think for people who purchase the season pass, this is good because they are entitled to something that they purchase, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the best way to do have handled this would have been, and this is, this is not great, but I think it would have been reimbursing everyone who purchased it already, uh, and finishing the story in a webcomic. But then again, who, who writes that? Who illustrates that? Right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think we'll see the end of Clementine or whatever this universe mm-hmm. is or whatever this story is. It's The Walking Dead. It's still one of the – even as it devalues itself over over time, it's still one of the most profitable things on earth. So yeah, this is just a weird story. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't see why anyone would make video games, period. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically the lesson of yeah. that. Yeah, it, it's interesting to see what will happen with it and it's also the – Speaking of something being lost, you know, who knows what Telltale could have gone on to do too is also the big question. Of, mm-hmm. They obviously we saw leaks of the Stranger Things game that they were likely developing, so like who knows what could have happened beyond Clementine's story, and we won't get that version of Telltale's story no matter what. Yeah, so. it's it's a weird time to get invested in media. Like yeah. I mean, like how many Net- Marvel Netflix shows just got canceled, and like and Punisher will get canceled a week after it airs, probably. Yeah, and so <laughs> like when something new comes out, you want to jump on it and marathon it or be there at the beginning. Or sometimes you have to wait to make sure it gets renewed and, you know, sometimes you get there too late and it's already over or you're invested and it dies. And I miss the days when there were just like three shows on TV. Yeah. And you just watch them every evening. Yep. And none of them had like plot lines. They just did a, a laugh at the end and yeah. yep. freeze frame high five and that was it. All over. <laughs> no it's crazy commitment. how every Law & Order episode ended that way. <laughs> freeze frame high five? Yeah. Yep. With laugh track. We caught that sex pest again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every yeah. time. Uh that's not how video games usually end, though. No, uh, I would love that, though. <laughs> uh, just another quick one for God this month. <laughs> Super Mario. <laughs> uh, looking forward to what else is coming out this month. January 15th, I believe, is Vane, which is a PS4 exclusive. Uh, I haven't really been keeping up with it. I know that it's been at a few trade shows in the past. And essentially, mm-hmm. it looks very eco, Shadow of the colossus with Very pretty. With yeah. a bird. Um it's finally coming out after years of people discussing it. It very much was announced before The Last Guardian came out. And a lot of people were looking at it as, I believe, a couple members from The Last Guardian team had left to help co-develop this. Uh, according to, I think, a feature that Polygon recently published about this game ahead of its launch, they mentioned how at least one of those members, if not both of them, have left the project earlier on. So not necessarily that uh, Last Guardian lineage isn't necessarily on this game. But it, it very much feels 
of a kindred spirit with it and coming out now after the last guardian yeah mm. to see uh it looks gorgeous i i don't know a ton about it. i've tried to stay away now that i'm interested in trying it out uh but i love it just as like this this is the first technical like ps4 exclusive of the year oh yeah, yeah. a little bit of note that that's right so i'm very interested to see it in action yeah it says stunning game it's got that sort of um Almost into the Spider Verse skip frame animation thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where everything looks like it's it's skipped a second and they're kind of jerky the way they move, but like in a cool way. Um, and I really love that low poly art style. I hope it all comes together. I'm really excited to play this one. Yeah, should be an interesting one. Uh, also, this month is just for reference for you PSVR fans. Ace Combat Seven is coming out uh, that has PSVR support in it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see what else happens with PSVR. We'll talk about that probably next week. But after the amazing fall PSVR had, I'm curious to see where that goes. Uh, but other than that, it's not a bad month <laughs> yeah. to start out the year. It's pretty crazy. We're getting yeah. like such huge titles in January and I'm excited to see where the year goes from there. Before we wrap up the show, first of all, I want to open a letter. We have a physical letter this all right. week. Wow. From yes. From a fan named Max Scoville currently at CES 2019 Las Vegas, Nevada hell. Uh, of course, if you would like to send in physical mail, you can send that to Podcast Beyond, care of Jonathan Normbush or any of us, uh, at 625 2nd Street on the fourth floor, San Francisco, California, 94107. And we will be happy to read it on the air. That's right. As I'm going to read this letter that was definitely mailed to us. Definitely. It took, uh, 20 days to get here. He mailed it back in December, but by the way, he was, he was working on that yesterday. Yeah. Cause it's January. And, uh, he was like, do we have any stickers I can use as a stamp? And I was like, just draw a stamp. It's just, yeah, it's just the IGN logo as a stamp and it's Perfect. pretty great. Is it two sided? The, the letter? Yes. The letter is two sided. So we have a bit to go here before My we God. get the trophy test. I'm going to try. Damn you, Max. All right. Uh, this is from Max S. Grade 26, written January 7th, 2019. Dear Podcast Beyond, I wish I could be on the show this week, but I am in Las Vegas covering all the hottest technology to come out of CES, such as edible bitcoins, 3D printed wearable monitors, and a public bathroom stall, public bathroom stall lock that doubles as a phone caddy. That last one is not a joke. Anyway, I'd really love to be there on the first show of the new year because there's not a lot of news and it would be the perfect chance to talk more about Yakuza. This weekend, I did a substorm. That's what side quests are called in Yakuza. And you get mad at me for Kingdom Hearts Max, where I caught a guy stealing panties, beat the crap out of him, and threw him in a river. Those are very good games and more people should play them. (laughs) Over winter break, is it called that when you're an adult and not in school? I got terribly sick. I had numerous fever dreams about Death Stranding. Please turn over this paper to read my dream theories about this game. (laughs) Probably should have read this during the Death Stranding section. Number one, I think the Death Stranding will involve time travel of some sort. Number two, I think the core mechanic is delivery, but with some sort of new element. Like if you crossed Paperboy with Hitman, but added persistent online roguelike elements. If you die, you have to fight your own ghosts. I actually kind of like that. Yeah, I like it too. Uh, and number three, I think it's definitely coming out this year. We'll talk more about that and those theories next week. What do you guys think? See you next week. XOXO Gossip Girl. <laughs> he wrote Max, but I'm just saying Gossip Girl. Uh, yeah, thank, thank you, you Max. Max. We appreciate your letter again. You can write us letters and send them to 625 2nd Street, 4th Floor, San Francisco, California, 94107. A lot of his Death Stranding gameplay pitches sound like stuff that they have at CES. Yeah, yeah. probably. He'll like Persistent delivery robots or whatever. He can just chain them together and make mm-hmm. his own Death Stranding. Uh, before we wrap up the show, I want to do the first installment of Trophy Test of 2019. Uh, if you've not heard this on the show before, we've just started doing it recently. Trophy Test is essentially – 
I give whoever is on the panel a series of trophies, one real, one fake. I have made up all the fake ones because I love making up parodies. They have to decide which of those is the real trophy, and then we'll tell you the results at the end and declare the winner of this week's trophy test. Uh, I haven't really planned for what we'll do as this goes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we need a we need a trophy. We do yeah, need a trophy for the trophy test. Yeah. yeah, I know that in Australia they they like Sony Australia built physical oh, no. trophies. Like well, one of those. Yeah, they were only, they only made like five of them, but oh, they man. were beautiful. If you're listening and you you work for a local trophy company wherever you live that is local. Um, get in touch with us because we will, we will order a trophy from you. Absolutely. Yeah. I will have maybe two, one fake one, one real one. <laughs> you have to guess which it is. Uh, yeah, I'd absolutely be down if you do work in trophies or woodworking or if you're Ron Swanson. <laughs> if you do work in trophies. <laughs> yes. If you touch. do work in trophies, get in touch. PlayStation podcast beyond. All right. Uh, this week's is a nineties throwback if you're Jonathan. So we're talking Spyro and Crash. Okay. We're going to do the mm-hmm. first, Sp- these are all based on the Spyro Reignited trilogy and the Crash Bandicoot Insane trilogy. Oh wow. So you're, you're merging together. Okay. Here we go. Yes. Uh, so you'll have to, so you'll tell me which of these trophies is the real one. I'll give you two trophies. You tell me which is real. Uh, we'll go one by one. Starting with Spyro the Dragon, the first Spyro game. Which of these is the real trophy? Triathlon? Defeat all three ski norks and float like a butterfly. Defeat all five flight norks. This is so hard. It's so hard. And if you want to take a second, uh, I actually made this full disclosure back last year in 2018, and I forget which one of these is real, so I'm going to look that up. Oh, what? That's how good I feel about these. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, yeah, I really prepared well for this. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Which of those do you, do you know think is answer? real? Try no, he doesn't. Else? He has to look it up. I'm looking it up and the, I get to this, The cheat. quiz is already so hard yep. that he doesn't I, I, know. I, yep. Uh, so triathlon, defeat all three ski norks or float like a butterfly, defeat all five flight norks. Which of those is real, Brian? Uh, tri- the first one. So you're saying triathlon is yes. real. Lucy, which one are you saying is real? Flight norks. <laughs> the, <laughs> the correct answer is triathlon defeat all three ski norks. That's so, me. So that is yes. you, Brian. Congratulations. All right. Flight yes. norks. Is that a real thing, a flight nork? Yeah, uh, the norks are the enemies in the game. So okay. they just like randomly they'll have jetpacks or randomly they'll be in a winter level with on skis or things of that nature. Which You're is a flight nork. Yeah, you are oh. kind of a flight nork. Thanks, guys. Please put that in my lower third, Ronnie. <laughs> uh, moving on to Spyro 2, Ripto's Rage. Ollie Ollie Oxen Free. Defeat the ox without taking a hit and steer clear. Defeat the steer without taking a hit. I hate how good you are <laughs> at writing these. You're so the damn one? corny. I love it. Ollie Ollie Oxen Free. Defeat the ox without taking a hit and steer clear. Defeat the steer without taking a hit. Which of those is the real one? Yeah, clear. That's my answer. Is the real one? And Brian, which the Ollie thing? Ollie Oxen Free is the real one. Are you just going to trade answers, basically? We usually do. Yeah. Uh, the correct answer is... Ollie Ollie Oxen. Oh, Congratulations, Brian. Oh, yeah. Killing it. Yeah. Damn it. Um, I was just like, no one says Ollie Ollie Oxen free anymore. No one says any of the things <laughs> in Jonathan's mind. That's but, true. Or these trophies, but here they are. Uh, fun fact, I had a long discussion with Andrew Goldfarb. I was a big fan of The Nanny with Fran Drescher as a kid. Okay. And an account on Instagram called The Nanny Art started following me, and I was like, I should create a competitive account <laughs> of nanny fan art and see who wins. That's what I think about. I'm consistently shocked at where you find the time <laughs> so am i uh moving on to spyro three you're the dragon nice shooting tex as agent nine defeat an enemy with a ricochet shot excuse me i can't speak h's and then round one knockout as sheila defeat three enemies with a single punch 
Uh, oh, you're looking this one up. Too? I'm looking this one up too because it's been so long. It was what my head's broken. Nice shooting text. Nice shooting text. As Agent Nine defeat an enemy with a ricochet, ricochet shot, and then Round One knockout as Sheila defeat three enemies with a single punch. I think it's Round One knockout. Okay. I one. agree. I'm not gonna. Not gonna go different. That's you're okay. Both, you're both saying it's Round One knockout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The correct answer is Nice shooting text. Both of you. Why use that one? I'm Why cursed. would who would name curse? <laughs> Why would they name it that? I don't know. Uh, Moving on to Crash Bandicoot. We're doing the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy. Okay. Uh, We're going to start. Go one, two, three. Crash one. First trophy. I meant to do that. Spin away an extra life. And then the spin doctors defeat Dr. Cortex with a spin attack. So I meant to do that, which is spin away an extra life, or the spin doctors defeat Dr. Cortex with a spin attack. I meant to do that. You're saying is the real one? Yes. That's what I would also say as well. That is the correct answer. Yes. I meant to do that is the real one. Yes. Look at that. That was such a pity. Congrats. No, you, it's one point. It's, good. it's better than zero. I'm doing good. That's what they always say about but one point. I have done that in Crash many times. So See? Mm-hmm. It so works there you out. go. Yeah. I think the spin, spin Doctors is the name of a band and they would have sued them because they have nothing else going They've on. They've got that song, <laughs> yeah. uh, Two Princes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Can you name another one? No. No, you couldn't. If the trophy had been Spin Doctors, I would have done Two Princes as the other. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the ultimate supermarket song. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Moving on to Crash 2, <laughs> Cortex Strikes Back. No bear left behind. Unlock the secret exit in Unbearable. I actually hate myself for this one. Uh, this is going to really mess with you guys. No le- bear left behind. Unlock the secret exit in Unbearable. Or Grin and Bear It. Unlock the secret exit in Bear Down. Which of those is I hate the you. real trophy? I hate you. I don't even know how to begin to think about guessing the answer to the. This is like there are so many bear puns that I'm like I'm overwhelmed. Are you doing the thing where you're trying to figure out how his mind works? Yeah, but because I'm trying to get into the psyche of like which would he make up? My hope is that I can throw you off because so many trophies are hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so what? So bear. bear okay, the first one is no bear left behind. Uh-huh. Unlock the secret exit in unbearable, or grin and bear it. Unlock the secret exit in bear down. Which of those is the real trophy? I'm gonna go with one. One, yeah. You're both saying it is no bear left behind. We're I'm wrong. double checking my homework because I don't want to don't want to mess this up. You are both correct. Yes. Yes. Look at that. Yay! You, you both got that one. No bear left behind is the real Blind one. Blind guessing. All right. So Pays off. It comes down to Crash 3, Crash Bandicoot Warped. The guesses are which of these is a real trophy? Accept no substitutes, which is shoot the imposter, or smoke and aces, shoot and knock five enemies within two minutes. Oh, I'm going to go number two. You're saying smoke and aces is the real Smoke and aces. Number one. We're saying number one. The correct answer for which of those trophies except no substitutes or smoke and aces is correct is except no substitutes. Number one. Congratulations. Yes. And with a final tally of five to two, Brian, you have won the first trophy test of the year. This is great. This is one of my Congratulations. My, my biggest victories too. Yes. Yeah. We'll see. So you'll have a little, uh, little, I'm imagining like a little, like fake Oscar. I, no. So <laughs> crossed out. I want like a, a good trophy test winner. I want a good real trophy, but you have to get the, like whoever loses has to get the bad fake one. It's going to be World's Greatest made, Dad Oscar. It's made out of like foam or cheese or something. <laughs> yeah. 
or it's her, it's got like a soccer player on it. Like it's totally. It has nothing to do. With yes. This. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, congratulations, Brian. You have won the first trophy test. Of the Thank year. you. We will see how the rest of 2019's trophy tests go. Thank you so much if you've been playing along at home for bearing with me as I remembered which of those was real and which of those was fake because it's been a while. Bearing with me is a, a trophy as well. Yeah. Uh, that one's in Crash 4 yet to be released. Ooh, I spoiled that. No, it's not. Don't take that as gospel, please. Uh, thank you all so much for watching the show. Brian, when we are not on IGN Beyond, where can people find you and what are you Uh, doing? you can find me at Agent Bizzle on Twitter. Uh, you can also catch me on Nintendo Voice Chat and other various shows I pop on here. So go check those out. And Lucy, where can people find you? You can find me at Luce O'Brien on Twitter. That's L-U-C-E, not L-U-C-Y. Uh, and you can also find me on Instagram, uh, under the same title. Awesome. And I am at JM Dormush on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you so much for watching this episode. Huge shout out to our new producer, Ronnie Barrier. Uh, you may or may not have heard, depending on if you watch or listen to Kind of Funny, Barrett Courtney has died and moved over to the afterlife of Kind of Funny. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, he's one of the ghosts. They bought a ghost. Yes, they bought a ghost. Which is we, cool. We bought a zoo, they bought a ghost. It's yeah. All, it's only fair. Uh, so we're happy to have Ronnie on board. We're excited for the year in 2019. We hope you are as well. Again, thank you so much for watching. This has been Beyond episode 573. And as always, Beyond. 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 Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.